There she is. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Hello from across the pond. We meet again. We do. Fancy meeting you here. I know, right? It's almost as if we planned it. It's weird. <laughs> Imagine that. So, here we are for another fun-filled discussion, right? Of Station 19. Uh, is it fun-filled this time? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what you think, because I, last week's recording, you know, because the way you saw it and when I saw it, I think I was maybe, I just kind of let you know a little bit I didn't like it, just hinted that maybe, <laughs> that I didn't care for I've it. I've got that feeling, I did, you know, it was uh, just a slight <laughs> air that you gave off, uh, that said that you weren't over keen. <laughs> um, so so um, I uh, went into it with low expectations, as you suggested. <sighs> I'm not convinced that I hated it quite as much as you but usually when I <laughs> don't think anyone disliked it as much as you but usually when I when I watch I then find bits and pieces that I that kind of stick out to me that I quite like and then when I go back in for my rewatch to do my notes yes my my subconscious has already kind of decided about the bits that it wants to pull out and so I'm very aware of them when they come up and I've got things to say and you know things to put in my notes Sure. This time I didn't even want to bother watching it the second time around. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Like, oh no, God. it wasn't necessary. It wasn't the best, was it? What's what's the the name of this one? What was it called? Uh, it was called Never Gonna Give You Up, mm, okay. which right. is a banger of a song. And I don't really think this episode did Chesney Hawks justice, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely give this episode up. So the title doesn't really... <laughs> It doesn't really match it for me. And I think we just came up with the title of this podcast episode, Tiffany, with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can give you up. Yeah. De <laughs> definitely will give this one up. Yeah. So I, when you and I spoke last week, I said to you I, that I thought it was a first-time writer for Station 19, and I actually got that wrong it was a first-time director that directed this one. So Kelly Park, she's not a first-time director. It was just her first time on Station 19. When I looked her up, she's done, like, um, The Upshaws and Grace and Frankie. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, with, like, Lily Tomlin and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it looks like she's done, like, quite a lot of comedic stuff. And so Station 19, when you look at her resume, doesn't seem like an ideal fit, but I actually thought it was great. I thought that the directing was really good, especially the cave scene. When we saw the behind the scenes that Danielle gave us of what the cave actually looks like. Yeah, sure. Great. And I think yeah. if we if we watch the cave scene with the mute button pressed, bang on. <laughs> so, so I think the first time director did a class job. The writer for this one was Megan Plunkett and... She's done tons for Station 19. So this one was a bit anomalous for me, for her. Maybe she just wasn't having a good day. Clearly. <laughs> she she wrote two for season three. She was the story editor for the whole of season four. Plus she wrote two bangers in season four. She wrote episode six, Train in Vain, which is the one where Andrew slash Andrea is stabbed. Okay. She got then promoted and she was the executive story editor for season five. Again, wrote another banger, um, wrote Little Girl Blue, which was the Thanksgiving episode. And she wrote When the Party's Over, which is the one where Andy mm -hmm. turns up at the station after her assault. So again, this is... Oh, yeah. So again, okay. the, I don't... Yeah, those are some pretty powerful episodes, for sure. Yeah. Oh, and here's an odd writing credit for her. Maybe it's an odd writing credit. I don't know. She's credited as one of the two screenwriters for Stefania Spampinato's short, Zeta Sempre. Oh, that's an interesting fact. Yeah. So there you go. So, I mean... Okay. Haven't seen that. Also in Italian. Won't understand that. Uh, <laughs> with my 53 uh, words that I know in Italian. But I'm assuming that it's going to be better than this episode. <laughs> Probably. For me, it was just... A bit boring, a bit predictable. There were some very, very obvious choices with the writing. It felt very yeah. like clunky and in your face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't, it lacked a lot of, well, and I don't know, maybe we've been spoiled this season. Um, 
it just lacked a lot of what we've gotten, you know, this season so far. And so it was just, I don't know, it was just a little bit of a letdown. That's all. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. It's been such a big season and I think that the writing has, has been superb. That's been the standout thing is, is the writing, you know, and where we've seen a lot of the actors really raising their game, you know, they're already up there. So the fact that they've managed yeah. to elevate what they're doing, sure. you know, is a, is a credit to the writing. So, yeah, this one was just a bit, I was a bit with you, I was a bit deflated really. That was a good sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm full of them, unfortunately. (laughs) Too funny. But also, do you remember the other day when we were talking, I said, I didn't think that the writers knew who Jack was. Uh Uh-huh. I meant figuratively, as in, like, they were confused about his personality. This episode, I don't think anyone actually knew who Jack was. Like, Jack? There's someone in this called Jack. Oh, quick, let's write him some lines in would you like to guess how many lines gray damon had to learn for this episode uh five i thought five and when i actually counted it was seven wow he had seven lines a total of 57 words uh gray damon had a great week that week I say they're overworking them. Yeah, dialogue learned in half an hour, spend the rest of the week surfing, playing with your cats, like whatever he does. I don't know what he does with his life. Right. But um, right. But he, he had a chill week. Um, so, I mean, I know that white cishet men have had it all their way for a very long time, but as he's the only white cishet man on the show, I'll allow him to have a little bit more than seven lines before I get umpy you know what I mean like yes that's too funny now that you're saying that though yeah I don't really remember him seeing him seeing him that much that episode (laughs) exactly exactly I actually wrote his lines down and it would take me 30 seconds to read them he said they could fire all of us coordinates instead of an address that's weird right do you think we maybe should ask where exactly I'm trying to keep my job Montgomery Ouch, it looks like the cameraman fell too. That's a long drop. I don't know, maybe last time there was a mutiny. Hello, Seattle Fire Department. Hello. Ta-da! I can stand in for Grey Damon. Oh my gosh, you are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> she just read us his script. That was that was literally the, all of his lines. All of them. That is so funny. Hmm, <sighs> okay, she just wasn't feeling Jack, I guess. I mean... I rarely feel Jack, but um, <laughs> but seven lines, come on. No, that's hilarious. Okay. So where do you want to start? Ben? Ben and the spider. Ben and the spider bite. Yes. There's not much to it. Shall I run us through it? Yeah. It'll be just like Jack's lines. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Ben is on desk duty, a guy called uh, Reggie. I appreciate that. That was Norm Scully from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I like him. He's a, Lo- he's a cool actor. I love him, yeah. So he comes into the station with muscle cramps and shortness of breath after cleaning out his um, garage. And he's the one that inadvertently tells Ben that his wife uh, is in a bit of a situation because he says that he tried to go to Grace Sloan, but he couldn't get there due to a car running into a crowd. Yeah. So... Ben then tries to diagnose Reggie through the panic and eventually notices that there's a spider bite on Reggie's arms. Uh, So he deduces that he's been uh, bitten by a black widow because he's obviously a specialist on arachnids as well as being an anaesthetist, (laughs) general surgeon and a firefighter. Luckily, there's some anti-venom at the station who doesn't have anti-venom for black widow spiders just lying around. Right, just happens to be. I keep mine under the sink. (laughs) (laughs) Reggie then uh, goes on to tell Ben how he's been saving money in a jar for 20 years to take his wife on a gondola ride in Venice and he's not sure if he's going to survive and Ben doesn't know if he's going to survive either says he's trying his best but you can't control the chaos in the world but Ben can control the chaos that's going on in the station he administers the anti-venom Reggie's fine wants to go into his missus Ben says that when he does he should tell her that he loves her and take her on that vacation to Italy because tomorrow is not promised 
Um, later in the day, he still can't get hold of Miranda and he can't take it anymore. And so when the chief calls 19 for a lineup, instead of going to line up, he sprints the three blocks, which I think is about 200 meters to Grayslow. Yep. And that's that. Yep. I mean, it was a, it was a good, it was a good little scene to have. I mean, I appreciated yeah. it. It showed, you know, Ben's concern for Miranda. I think it was a nice way to bring that, that into the storyline. And, um, I mean, it, it was a little bit more than a filler. It, to me, it did a little bit more than, than a filler. And um, I, I just appreciated it overall as a, a scene. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice vehicle for Ben. Yeah. And yeah, it was nice to let him sort of do a bit of dramatic acting, you know, with his panic over the administering the anti-venom in time and, and the sort of yeah. the dual panic of wondering what's going on with Miranda. Yeah. Um, and I suppose we got a little view into how he... But we know how he feels about Miranda. He's not backwards and coming forwards, is he, when it comes to his love for his wife? But I suppose he gave Reggie a bit of good life advice. Don't stuff money in a jar because <laughs> things like this yeah. can happen at any time. And take life in both hands because a spider might bite one of them at some point, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I don't have too much on that one. It wasn't, it was nice for what it was, but I don't think it was a standout scene in too many ways. I don't think, I didn't have anything I particularly wanted to discuss in the scene. Did you? Nope. Nope. Nothing different than what I said already. I think it, like I said, I think it was a pretty good filler and um, I liked the segue it gave for Ben, for Miranda. So. Yeah. Right. That was quick, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm telling you, it was just... <laughs> I, I knew this this um, recording was going to be pretty quick just because of the episode. <laughs> Could be done twenty minutes. Um, so the other thing that happened on the side was Vic and Theo continuing their fire inspections. Yep. The beginning of the Vic and Theo block, if you like, is before work, and Theo's out on a run, and Vic calls him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He completely ignores her call. Yeah. Which is... What's up with that? Yeah. And then once they get to work, he is as surly as usual. In the end, he tells Vic that the arson investigation was dismissed. Nobody bothered to really look at it. They just made a decision off all the case reports. And then on the way to do more inspections, Vic is sort of saying, you know, it's not right. They shouldn't have done that, you know, and she's wanting to sort of hash it out. And yep. he, he just says, oh, no, drop it. There's nothing to be done. Just drop it. I want to talk about it. And Vic <sighs> says, well, look, if they're not going to do it, we'll do it. And literally turns the truck down the side road and says, come on, takes a detour. And, and she heads off to tomato's shop with a stroppy teenager mm -hmm. in the passenger seat um and again <laughs> it just he just irritated me though all the way through this this episode because when they get to tomato's shop again he's just so stroppy and he keeps saying it's a waste of time yeah and yep. she calls him out and says you know what is wrong with you and she mm -hmm. tries to say to him, I understand, you know, my parents' mm -hmm. shop burnt down, so I get it. And he's yep. like, no, you don't get it, because they could rebuild. Tomas can never rebuild. Mm -hmm. um, and then she actually proves to him that she does understand and says, well, no, look, this is somewhere that used to come with your dad. So the sort of last memories that you would have had with your dad would be here, and you feel like they're vanishing. Yeah. So that should maybe kind of say to him that, she's invested in this she does understand him she does know where he's coming from sure then they do find evidence of foul play and theo still again is dismissive and says well i know we found it but it's not going to do any good nobody will listen and vic takes the reins again and says well we'll just make them listen then and phones sfd arson who sent an investigation team out and they bring with them the goodest of good boy dogs <laughs> the goodest dogs were a standout for me sfd agree it's clear signs of arson and they're going to um, open their own investigation and then they get back to the station and vic very sweetly has rescued what i assume to be the first dollar that tomas made in his barber shop yeah i i assumed the same yep yeah and she hands it over to theo and 
very gently and sweetly and softly says, you know, I thought you should have this. Does he say thank you? He does not. He just says, no, Tomas should have it. And she says, uh, you give it to him. He's lucky to have you. And uh, I took that to mean that at least someone's got Theo because Vic doesn't have him right now. He's elsewhere. And that's that. Poor Vic. Yeah, I mean, not much to say there other than Theo is being a schmuck right now and not really being nice to Vic. And Vic is going above and beyond, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. to be a super supportive girlfriend. And yeah. He's just being a schmuck. Yeah, he's had a character transplant. Yes, seriously. I agree 100%. He's not being the Theo from season five. No, and when I think about the abortion episode Mm -hmm. and, you know, how he wasn't in a great place with her at that time, but he was so sweet and so supportive and he felt that he'd been underserved Mm -hmm. at that point, you know, because she hadn't discussed it with him. She hadn't asked about Mm -hmm. his feelings, but he was still very much there you know, and he was being goofy, singing outside the door for yeah. her, and he'd like read the books and he'd done all the stuff. And this is an entirely different person. It, no, it really is. This this season has definitely been about like how mental health crises or events can totally shape shift and and transform your personality for sure. Yeah, Vic's be you know she's just having the patience of a saint at the minute. Mm-hmm. I think because I'd have um, I'd have think I'd have thrown that dollar at his head <laughs> at this point. <laughs> He's just being very unprofessional. He's being very immature. And he should have the same passion as Vic uh, in investigating these fires. You know, he should be trying to exhaust every single avenue before giving in. Because, you know, he's letting his childhood friends' Mm -hmm. livelihoods literally burn to the ground. If he doesn't do something about this. So, you know, just to kind of like sit in the truck resting on your... Oh, I'm going to mm-hmm. leave it. It's not going to mm-hmm. do any good. You know, th- things are literally catching fire, Theo. Yeah. <laughs> literally catching fire. So you might want to have a little bit of urgency about that, son. Right, yeah. Have we have we missed it? No, no, there was nothing to miss on that one. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Travis and the rescue. And I say Travis and the rescue because this was literally just a vehicle for Travis. No one else needed to be there, really, let's face it. (laughs) Uh, But the first time we see Travis, I think, was actually the best scene of the whole show. (laughs) So he's having a nightmare that he won the mayoral race and all his teeth fell out. Uh, Vic, hearing him scream, runs into his bedroom with a baseball bat, um, makes some joke about his teeth falling out being to do with his unfulfilled sexual desires. Um, Freud. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, a sign of lack of security, um, not unfulfilled sexual desires, but I mean, maybe Vic's projecting. <laughs> <laughs> Things aren't going smoothly for her, are they? So You're on a roll today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he sends her packing mm-hmm. with her bat, checks his teeth. Yep. And that was, as I say, for me, the most entertaining part of the show over. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I loved it. I loved it at the end when she leaves the room. She's like, I had a good time, though. Like, her I was response ready. time. Yeah. He, yeah, he was like, he was like t- take the bat. And she's like, I was ready, though. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that. That was so cute. Doesn't she steal some food on the way yeah, out? Yeah, she steals well? a, whatever's yeah, on the plate. I'm going to take this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally loved that little interaction. Yeah, brilliant. And those two are always gold as well. They are. They have really good rhythm together, like their comedic rhythm that they've yeah. that they've kind of found. It's really good. So then they go to a call out, and the call out is to coordinates, not an address. We know that because that's one of Grey Damon's seven lines. Yeah. And then they're sent out to rescue a social media star whose fall in a cave was live streamed from her channel. Okay. Chief Ross and Sullivan hatch a plan to find her based on a previous mission they completed together in the Marines. Mm-hmm. Once they've located the influencer, Myra and Travis start to rappel down, and Myra overhears on the chief's radio that several doctors have been hit by a car outside the reproductive clinic, and Myra goes into a full panic because yep. Karina's at work. Yeah, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Travis and the chief manage to calm her down. To her credit, she composes herself. They rappel down to the victims, and then that's when stuff gets annoying. The cameraman is down there as well. His only concern is for Stella Tricks, who's this influencer. 
Uh, he wants her to be rescued first, but when she comes round, she's just excited to find out that her phone's still recording, and she won't be rescued first because she's refusing to leave without it. Right. And right. She then starts loudly speaking to her followers in case they can still hear her. So obnoxious. Whilst Myra and Travis are trying to trying to rescue the cameraman, and she's like, "Come in and subscribe." <laughs> <laughs> Bleeding from her head. Then when the cameraman's um, up top, he tells Sullivan and Ross that he's actually in a secret relationship with this woman. Yep. Uh, poor guy. Um, <laughs> but he can't... Um, <laughs> look, you can't help some people. Um, but he can't post pictures of them together. He can't hold hands with her in public. Um, and he asks Sullivan if he could live like that. And Sullivan says he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Stella's still refusing to leave without a phone. So Travis reluctantly gives it to her and ends up as part of her live feed. Isn't that convenient for him? Yep. Halfway up on the winch, she starts messing with her backboard and her harness and what have you. So she can show her followers the best view of the rescue, drops her phone again. um, And she desperately says, you know, but it's all I have. When Travis says, you know, leave without the phone, it's all I have, which sounded great to the boyfriend up top. Right. And he starts screaming that he's a boyfriend and they've got a life together. And again, all she's worried about is the phone is still recording this and her followers who, you know, she assumes follow her because she's this single woman out on ventures conquering the world. They're not supposed to know that she's in this relationship. So now she's concerned about that. Her only concern. Yeah. Not about him at all. No. So Travis, again, why Travis, why? (sighs) Rescues the phone. Yeah. Um, but then starts telling her that she's being selfish and she's putting people's lives in danger and she needs to be the, be authentic and be the kind, caring person she presents online. I can't imagine her presenting as kind and caring online from what we've seen in that bloody cave, but there we go. But he tells her to have some respect for the lives of the people that are trying to save hers and uh, she allows herself to be rescued eventually. Then having asked about the phone about a dozen times and about her boyfriend a total of zero times, only ceasing to be mad at him for saying they're together once she sees all the positive comments about it. Oh, the likes, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, he sees the light and he dumps her because he sees that she's only with him to boost her followers. And he says that in life yeah. or death situations, he chooses her, but she also chooses her and she never chooses yeah. him. Yeah. And then on the way back in the engine, Sullivan says to the chief that they worked well together, just like the old days. And that is met with a pained expression from her and deathly silence, which didn't spell great things. No. And then Maya's trying to desperately call Karina from the back of the engine. Uh, Karina's not picking up. So they actually stop the engine on the chief's orders so that Maya can run the 10 blocks to the hospital, um, which would be quicker than taking the detour around the hospital to get there. Yep. When they arrive back at 19, Eli's waiting for them. Travis's videos racked up about 400,000 views in the three hours it's been up. There's already an article up about his off-the-cuff speech <laughs> during the rescue about authenticity and human connection. Eli wants to capitalise on it with ads and hashtag be authentic. Um, but Travis is spinning out and he says he's not eating, he's not sleeping, uh, and he only got into the race so that Dixon wouldn't win, not yep. so that he would win. Um, but Eli is keen for Travis to carry on because he's passionate and altruistic and it's a rarity that passionate altruistic people find themselves in leadership positions yeah and that was that so I'm imagining that this is 80% of what irritated you about the episode um the Stella Tricks phone yeah yeah 100% I wanted to grab that phone and throw it out the window I was like I remember looking at my mom and being like, I'm not that bad, am I? Because it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but no, I really appreciated the dialogue it allowed for Travis, though. I really, I liked that dialogue a lot when he gave that speech. I think it was very well written. So I liked that quite a bit. But um, And of course, the um, thoughts, it may, seeds that may be planted in Ross and Sullivan. Because you could tell that um, Ross was taking it in, too. She made a couple... Yeah facial expressions and you know little glances at at Sullivan here and there so um it did have some positive outcomes from that but overall oh I I didn't watch it again either 
I didn't watch it a second <laughs> time either because I couldn't do the phone scene. Well, so. I did, but I, I didn't enjoy myself, to be honest. Yeah, um, for sure. I just found it to be quite tropey as well. So immediately I heard that it was a social media influencer mm-hmm. that, that they were rescuing. I just knew that it was going to be a vehicle for Travis. It just right. seemed too too obvious. It's just, I just said to, said to Julia straight away, oh, brilliant. So basically her live feed is still going which means that Travis is now going to be doing a, a live rescue. And that's right. going to be like, that's, that's literally why that we've got this storyline is to mm-hmm. further boost. Tra- it was just very tropey. I think that there could have been a more subtle way to do it than, I mean, when they did it in episode one with the hurricane um, and he mm-hmm. rescued uh, the lass from the mini in the back garden there was someone there videoing it on their phone, which is what people do in these situations. And that seemed like something that would naturally happen in any given situation, that somebody would video a rescue that they were witnessing. But it seemed very convenient that they went to rescue a girl who was still on a live feed using a signal, even with a signal booster, man, to like still have that much signal when you're down the cave. I can't get signal at the bottom of my garden. I'm always walking around my house going, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? But she can live feed from a flipping cave. And it just so happens that Travis, who's running for mayor, happens to be the person that rappels down into the cave. Do you know what I mean? It was just very clunky and obvious for me. And um, I think they got away with it with the person videoing him at the garden party because that's what people do these days Mm -hmm. but to then repeat that with Travis being videoed doing a rescue but then to do it in such an obvious way it just felt lazy to me and I hate saying that because I don't like slamming people's art but it felt lazy no I agree 100 percent it it lacked you know any kind of suspense or thrill or anything like that it was just yeah yeah 100%. 100%. And then the fact that he gave her back the phone on three occasions. Travis, just throw it at a rock and be done with it. Yeah, yeah like accidentally drop it, right? Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> and she's just, she just, she wasn't likable. No. All power to the actress because she made that character seem obnoxious. Yes. So well done her because I'm sure she's not an obnoxious uh, individual, but... Oh, the only reason I wanted her rescued was so that it wouldn't reflect poorly on Travis. It wouldn't re- reflect poorly on 19. And Maya could get out of the cave and get to Grace Lane. Yeah. Other than that, leave her down there, man. <laughs> Sorry, you are just... Don't you think? Yeah. you're. Tell us how you really feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite so far. And picking up on what you were saying about the the chief and Sullivan, yes, she was calling Sullivan Sully throughout the duration yes. of that call out, Sully the whole time. She was, yep. So, do you think that they did that deliberately to show that the mask is slipping, that she's failing to be able to recognise the line for herself between work and home, that the lines are getting blurred for her? It could be, yeah. And and honestly, I mean, this is the first we've seen her her work with the team like that, right? Not just showing up on the scene, Mm. but actually being like it quote unquote in the field. So I wonder if it just, it brought that comfort level back. Yep. You you get what I'm saying? A hundred percent. They just slipped into the way that things used to be. And that's super risky because we know that they were obviously sleeping together when they were in the Marines. So yeah, I I honestly wondered if they were going to like kiss in the cave or something. I I really (laughs) did. Um, because it was that comfort level was just right back. So. Yeah, yeah. Do you think she's regretting like getting involved with? I knew he said getting back in bed, but she, I mean, has literally got back in bed with him. But do you think she's regretting getting involved with Sullivan again now? Sometimes she portrays she. I perceive that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think she. I think it's too late for her to do anything about it. She lo- allowed her feelings back in. They love each other. Yeah, sometimes I think she wishes she could just cut it off, but she just can't. Do you get that vibe too? Yeah, completely. I think she's gotten herself in a into a really yeah. bad situation. But what can you do? Because when you love somebody, you mm-hmm. love them, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. 
I think she'd have been doing herself wrong either way. Mm -hmm. I agree. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that ends when it does, if it, if it does. Yeah. But um, I was disappointed with the dialogue that they gave Mel Dandridge this time. The little kind of pep talk to Danielle was, was all they really gave her and there wasn't a great deal for her to work with there. Travis got the barn burner of a speech. Yeah. And he, and he did a great job with that. Yeah, he did. No, I agree. They definitely underutilized her this, this episode, which doesn't make any sense because we got to see her as the acting captain. And so the fact that she was underutilized, it, it was a missed opportunity for sure. Yes, it was a missed opportunity. It really was. And again, Danielle didn't get much, but she put in her usual shift with the panic attack. Yep. But that was, that was really it for that, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> that was, yep. that was pretty much, pretty much what we got. Um, so yeah. Then there was the mutiny. The mutiny. The mutiny. So Eli shows up at Andy's apartment. They still haven't got their date. You, bless you must be dying at this point. For about three or four weeks, you've been like, I'm really excited to see Andy and Eli on a date. I am. I mean, we got close. We did. And I think it was, this, even though we didn't get the date, I think it was a sweet scene. I liked the way it was written. Um... I think it was cute. He he was able to support her in a way she really needed it. And I, I I appreciated it, even though it wasn't a date. I have to say, Eli is fast becoming my man. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's going for her countrymen. I kind of love him. Bless him. He showed up for the date. He realizes Andy is not in the right place for a date. Yep. So bless him. He offers to make her an omelette. And help her with her mutiny problem. Yep. Good man. No, it was. And I appreciated that as well. I really did. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So we leave them <clears throat> trying to um, reframe the mutiny into a revolution. Mm -hmm. Semantics. Yes, semantics. And then the next morning we see the fruits of their labor. Mm -hmm. So it starts off with the A-team talking about being fired Again, we know this because this is one of Grey Damon's seven lines. <laughs> and then Theo is the usual ray of sunshine uh, that he is these days. And he says, the city isn't protecting its citizens. The city's not protecting them. Let them fire him. He's done. Yeah. And then the chief gives them their dressing down and telling them that mutiny is a sackable offence. And then Andy interrupts and literally gives her chapter and verse <laughs> from the manual about how what she did was not a mutiny. In fact, it was textbook. Yeah. Then they're saved by the bell. I'm not entirely sure who's saved by the bell, whether it's Andy or the chief at this point, but that's when they get the call out and then we go down the cave. Yep. And then once we're back from said cave, the chief corners Herrera in the equipment room and tells her that what she did that morning was bold, that she chose to do what was right over towing the line. She spoke truth to power. She's not a follower. She's a leader. All this to say that if 19 remains intact, she wants Andy to be the interim captain until Beckett's back. But Andy says that she only wants the job if it's hers to keep. So she declines and recommends Sullivan. And then of the reasons that she gives, she includes that he works well with the chief. Then the chief calls a line up and in a complete 180 reversal of what she said that morning, she says that she wishes she'd had the stomach to do what they do mm -hmm. and to push back instead of blindly following authority and that they'll need a trusted leader until Beckett's back. And then to me, it looked like Andy and Sullivan exchanged a little, a little look and a it, little smile, yeah, like, a, you know, her, her smiling to him, like you got this yeah. son. And he's like, cheers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, then the chief hands it over to Ruiz mm. And says that the reopening of the arson investigation was a testament to his dedication, his professionalism, and, and his tenacity, basically. And then he readily accepts the captain's position. Yeah, because that wasn't all Vic at all. That's, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what's in my notes. And you could kind of see, Vic kind of gave him a, a quick side eye, if you caught that, for sure. Yeah. That's in my notes as well. I started by bigging up my man and saying that Eli showed emotional intelligence and kindness mm -hmm. in the very beginning. He wants to cook for her and he wants to help. Yes, very sweet. And for once, his politicking and PR comes in useful. Yes. Um, let's just big up Eli there for a minute before we move on. 
And then one of the bits, when I said to you, it, there were a lot of obvious choices, I thought, in the writing uh-huh. and stuff. One of the bits that was too obvious for me is when the cameraman said to Stella, you never choose me. Yeah. And Sullivan and the chief sort of look at each other. Mm-hmm. And then when they went to the lineup and she handed it off to Ruiz, she literally didn't choose right. Sullivan. Right. And I just think, again, like, I think there possibly would have been a more nuanced way to do that than, like, have a guy say, you never choose me. And then for someone to literally not choose somebody, it was too literal for me. It was just far too literal. And where we've had some far more subtle, nuanced writing from the likes of Leah Gonzalez Mm -hmm. and Rochelle Zimmerman, this just felt very heavy-handed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, I agree. It was, I hate to use the word, but it was sloppy in some ways. Yeah. 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 So, just being real. Yeah. And then Theo went literally from I'm done to, yes, please, I'll be the captain. Yeah, to they don't care about us. Um, I'm basically done with this job yeah. to, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree 100%. Let them fire me to, yeah. oh, yeah, no, please, I'll be in charge. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when it's handed off, Andy, I thought Andy looked sad. It looked like sadness to me. I No, I agree. I, I thought she looked shocked and, and upset. For sure. Yeah, I think she felt sad for Sullivan. She almost looked like, like if I would have known you were going to give it to Theo, I would have taken it, is how I thought yeah. she looked. For sure. Yeah. 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 Sullivan was chewing wasps. Uh, the guy's got zero poker face. Zero. And I think that he probably knew in that minute that the only reason that he didn't get it is because of his intimate relationship with the chief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's literally the only reason that he didn't get it. Is she can't risk that. She can't. If it comes out that they're together mm-hmm. and she's promoted him twice, she's stuffed. So yeah. she, you know, she's painted herself into a corner. She couldn't give it to him. So I wonder if he's regretting the decision as well because we know how motivated and career hungry he is. So he's probably wondering if he's <clears throat> made the right move here too. Yeah, Vic, I've said, just looked out and out shocked because yep. everything that the chief ascribed to Theo when handing in the job was actually her. And moreover, he didn't say a bloody word. He didn't. He just took it all and, yep. Yeah. For sure. He literally spent the whole episode going, drop it, I don't want to do it. No, yep. it's a waste of time. I don't want to do it. Take me home. And then took all of the credit for everything that yep. that happened. I mean, that dude's in no position to lead he's got a poor attitude he's shown no leadership skills thus far yeah. i mean when he was andy's lieutenant at 23 he stepped up once or twice just to say guys cool down she's yeah. your captain you need to show a bit of respect but other than that he's shown no leadership skills whatsoever and he's shown no desire to be promoted so again this seems a little bit weird for me no, I agree 100%. And I th- I feel like he even, I don't remember what episode it was, but he kind of implied that he didn't want it again. You know, he didn't want that responsibility again. I remember feeling that way. Yep. Um, and so... Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So we'll have to see... Yeah, no, Travis was really quick to congratulate him as well, since he's the guy that got his husband killed. The first one. Yeah, I saw that too. I thought, okay, that's weird. Yep. Ran over there to shake his hand and pat him on the back. Yep, that caught me off guard too, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that Theo's position is going to be semi-permanent now? Or do you think that they'll rotate and switch out the captains? I think they're going to round robin it. I do. Yes, I think think she's going to... Because, I mean, if she round robins it, she can justify giving Sullivan a chance because she can say that, you know what I mean, that each person's getting it, each lieutenant is getting it. Oh, that's interesting. And so... It would open up a door for that. I hadn't thought of that angle. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually, yeah. Which is, that's why we're good together, because we bring in different perspectives. There you go. So. There you go. Do you think that this is going to spell trouble for Vic and Theo, though? Do you think this is... Yes, I do. I do. An already strained relationship of... Definitely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's obviously going to be... I mean, technically, he outranks her at the minute because he's a lieutenant, but... Yeah. But, I mean, he's literally going to be her boss now. Right. So, and with the attitude that he's been taking with her lately. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit nervous for their relationship. I mean, they've gone through a lot and they've shown they can handle a lot, but I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm Well, in a minute, the way that he's being at the moment, I'm quite happy for Victor be given the boot. Mm-hmm. I agree. Say all done. And just say, Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Come back to me when you're gonna step up and be the guy that I know because I don't I don't know this person. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. It'll be interesting to watch for, for sure. Meanwhile, on Grace. Yes, let's get to it. Because <laughs> I used to watch Grace religiously. Um, I'm sort of less of a devotee now. I'll still watch it, but not with the fervor that I once did. But you've mm. never watched it, have you? No. Nope. Never got into it. But you told me that you preferred this episode of Grace to Station. I did. I actually watched, I now I rewatched this episode of Grey's twice. Wait. Did not rewatch sta- Station this week. No. Um, just for that, watching Maya run around the hospital looking for Karina. Yeah. Yep, yeah, for sure. But I have to say that the opening one from Kevin McKidd was very impressive. It was. That was very well done. Yeah. Apparently that's the first time it's been done in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that, it's amazing. It was I can't imagine. And and they got it done in two takes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It reminded me of, um, did you ever watch The West Wing? Yes. Yes. It reminded me of The West Wing. They used to do those long shots, like sort of dragging all yeah. the way through the office and people would sort of dart in and out and they would keep the camera rolling going uh-huh. backwards. I just thought it was brilliantly done. It was expertly handled by Kevin McKidd and uh, Stefania smashed it. She did. Gotta give this. There was a lot of technical, a lot of technical language. She had to speak fast, be on the move. Yeah, she she did it, and she and I loved. She had to hit all her marks. <laughs> yeah, we know that's a challenge. Yeah, seriously. Um, I loved seeing her in her element, though, as as Doctor Deluca for sure. Yeah, it's awesome when they let her doctor mm-hmm. when they actually let her do her job. Yeah. So yeah, I I loved that. The, the only thing that annoyed me was that they skipped over. The protesters barreling towards the injured doctors. So if you remember, like the sort of cliffhanger at the end of the last episode was the two doctors have been hit by the car and then Miranda, Karina and co had sort of leapt onto the injured Mm -hmm. doctors Mm -hmm. as the protesters were coming round the corner with their picket signs. And so that sort of spelled danger for our doctors. Mm -hmm. But then it opened with sort of flashbacks of that, but then with the injured people in aid cars with Karina and Miranda and co. So they sort of skipped over how they'd managed to push the protesters back, get a couple of ambulances there, get everyone loaded. Like they skipped over all of that. So it was like, look at this guys, we're going to have to wait until next week to see if, you know, the angry mob beats Miranda and Karina half to death with their little signs. And then they skipped over it just, pretended it whoopsie we never you know that never happened so that irked me more of shondaland timeline right there you go yeah but karina performed an emergency c-section straight after that so i'll forgive them yeah because that was cool then uh myra and ben turn up at grace loan simultaneously well we see them at the same time yeah. i reckon that maya made it there first even though she yeah. had seven blocks further to run <laughs> I had to look it up because I don't know what a block is in distance. That's all right. That's all right. But um, it turns out that a Seattle block is 0.05 miles. So in real terms, that meant that Ben had to run 200 meters-ish. Okay. And Maya ran 800 meters-ish. So twice around a running track for Maya. Okay. And and we still think she got there before Ben. I think she got there before him. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going out on a limb. Okay. But um, they're trying to gain access to the hospital to find their wives. Teddy tells mm-hmm. security to let them in. And they find Miranda yeah. at the, in the OR. And then they run straight to daycare and watch Prue put ears on Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. And then um, Maya sprints off to find Karina and OB. And Ben doesn't even notice that she's gone. He's still like chatting yeah. away. He's just talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Maya finds Karina mid-delivery. And there's a gorgeous 23 seconds long but it was perfect. 23 seconds of perfection. It was. Perfect acting, very it soft, perfect. perfect delivery from both of them. Maya says, you're okay. 
and uh, Karina says that she has to go, but she thanks Maya for coming. And then Maya waits outside the room. So she just waits there. So sweet. Yeah. Trying to catch a glimpse when people open the door. Yeah, to try to see her. Yeah. Yep. So she's still there when Ben and Prue turn up and she says that Karina's a miracle worker. She doesn't stop to think about it often enough, but she's a miracle yeah. worker. And then she and Ben have the realisation of the fear that their wives feel on the, on a daily basis, just on the daily, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. The thing that I, that I noticed, and it's you that's kind of made me more aware of it, I think, is you mention all the time about Danielle's hands, like what Danielle does with her hands. The subtleties, yes. And the whole time that she was talking to Ben about Corinne, like saying, she saved this doctor and she delivered this baby and now she's delivering another baby and she's a, she's a bringer of life and she's she's playing with her wedding ring that whole time. Yep, did you notice that? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, for sure. It's just brilliant. Very good subtleties on Danielle's part. Mm-hmm. Really good. What were your thoughts on that? I loved it. I loved even um, when when Maya finally gets there and she kind of takes that she kind of speaks over the slight sigh in her voice, almost like, and, and her voice cracks. You know, I just appreciated every little single detail that Danielle put into Maya for that scene. And um, I liked seeing Karina kind of go from the startled, frantic doctor to just a little bit of softening she yeah. did towards Maya um, before she went back into the room. Um, I think that scene was beautifully done from both actresses, for sure. I loved it. What those two can pack in 23 seconds will never cease to amaze me. No. And and even without speaking sometimes, right? Yeah. Just looks and, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I like I said earlier, I thought it was... That's the, that's the beauty mm-hmm. of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's the chemistry allows for that, right? The chemistry they have yeah. allows for them to do that. And they both, they're both very expressive, but in very subtle ways. Like mm-hmm. they give, like their little micro expressions, they just give so much away. Yeah. And also like the pattern of breath, mm-hmm. where they choose to breathe and where they take a deeper breath. Yeah. And it's just, um, it's just a masterclass, I think, every week. Yes. To be perfectly honest. 100%. 100%. So, Ben, do you think Ben is kind of questioning his choices at the minute and like his choice to become a firefighter he was being very not introspect maybe introspective I don't know but when he was talking to Reggie Mm -hmm. saying you know tomorrow's not promised and you tell your wife you love her and all the stuff he seems to be having a lot of thoughts then and then when he and Myra talking Mm -hmm. later on he says to Myra and he sort of says it in a questioning way to Maya like he's looking for validation he says to when they're talking about the panic that their wives must go through mm-hmm. he says but but they knew what they were getting into right uh, and Maya's like well Karina did but you were a doctor when Bailey married you almost like yeah my wife knew what she's getting into but you screwed your son you know no I you know I'm gonna be honest I didn't I didn't catch that but now that you say that I can no I can see that um, and that was a good point Maya made. Like, no, when, when your wife married you, you were a doctor. You were supposed to be safe in the hospital, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. He might be. He might be questioning, for sure. Especially now that Prue is there. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Prue's already lost her dad, yeah. which was one of the reasons that her biological grandmother yeah. said one of the conditions of them having Prue was him giving up firefighting. Yeah, which they kind of just dropped that. They didn't really, they haven't really addressed. I mean, he was on desk duty for a while, but. That's another one for our list. <laughs> yeah, another one for our storyline list, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, as well, the whole, I mean, we loved all the Maya stuff, obviously. Yeah. But I wonder if that was quite jarring for Grey's Anatomy audiences to have Ben and Maya running around because. Ben left when Station 19 started. So right. what was that, like 2018? Like, yeah, like yeah. five years ago. Yeah. And sure, he's in it from time to time, but he's far from a main character. And if people have only started watching it in the last five years, mm. they'll just see him as a bit of an also-ran, mm-hmm. you know. And Karina hasn't been a regular cast member since uh, season 14, I think. And she's been in it less and less and less. And 
she's never been the subject of a scene. She's always been an auxiliary character, somebody okay. else. Got it. Yep. So in the beginning, she was there for Arizona to uh-huh. act opposite. Uh-huh. She was there, you know, a vehicle for Arizona. Yeah. And then she was a vehicle for Andrew or Andrea. Yeah. Uh, and then latterly, she's just been there for Joe Wilson because she's Joe's boss. Mm-hmm. But she's never actually the subject of a scene. She's always just there for somebody else's benefit. Yeah, that's a good point. So then for her to suddenly be the subject of a scene mm-hmm. and to have her wife, who for Grey's audiences. Like I think it's been mentioned once that she was married. Okay. Last season, she said in passing to Joe, "My wife works twenty-four hour shifts, so if you want to go and get a coffee and talk." Okay. And Maya was there when, obviously, in the chapel when Andrea was having his surgery after he'd been stabbed, yeah. and then she had a non-speaking role as supportive person sitting on a chair rubbing back at the memorial <laughs> service. <laughs> but you wouldn't have recognized her because she had a face mask on. So then suddenly, you know, Maya turns up. Yeah. And so people aren't going to understand that dynamic either. The the fact that sure. they didn't sort of run into each other's arms. Yeah. And that they were sort of very standoffish with each other. And there was this tension because unless you watch Station 19, you're clueless as to what that relationship is. So it would have made zero sense to anybody. So I just wonder if that would have been jarring for Grey's anatomy audience yeah it was funny i saw on facebook somebody commented on the station 19 post they said um never watched station 19 but after seeing that sexy blonde woman running around looking for dr deluca i may have to watch it now (laughs) so yeah quite jarring oh that's good well, I mean, I'm not complaining. I mean, yeah. more screen time first, Fanny and Danielle is fine by me. Yes. I just thought it was a, an odd choice. And I wonder if, if it was a completely shameless and deliberate move to try mm. and steer a Station 19 audience over to Grey's Anatomy yeah. by parking their two arguably most popular characters over there. I mean, if you look at you know social media... Mm-hmm. Everyone clamors over my own career. I mean, that's just it. People, yeah. I, I would say probably 60 to 80% okay. of the stuff that I see online, not that I'm massively online, but, <laughs> but when I do sort of venture over to Twitter for five minutes and then get terrified and leave, everything's <laughs> um, very kind of Myra and Karina heavy. So I, I think it's fair to say that they're kind of the standout stars mm-hmm. in terms of popularity, at least. Yes. So... Do you see it the way I see it? It was just a deliberate move because the viewership's been waning for Grey's Anatomy and their viewing numbers are going down and Station 19 is beating them numbers-wise week on week. Which is insane. Well, I would have said it was insane (laughs) three or four years ago, but honestly, Station 19, I think since season four... I know you weren't like a massive fan of season five and there were bits of it that were clunky for sure. But I think that it's just been growing and growing mm-hmm. and growing in strength. And so I don't think that it's, and um, a lot of people bag greys and say, you know, it's it's not as great now and it's getting tired and all the rest of okay. it. But I, I disagree that it's that. I think it's just that station 19 has just outstripped it in terms of the writing and the mm-hmm. the, the content. I think it's just the better show now. Yeah, I and I can't argue with that because, like I said, never got into Grey's Anatomy at all. So No. But yeah, my, my initial question, which ended up being a massive run-on question, for which I apologise, was do you think that it was an unabashed move by the producers to chuck Maya and Karina over there to see if they can garner some interest probably. for Grey's and try and boost the numbers a little bit? Yeah, probably. I mean, it would it would be a wise decision. It would be smart, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see it. And I would be really interested to see the numbers. I haven't, mm-hmm. I don't know if they haven't been published or if I just haven't seen them, but I would be very interested to see if there was a spike in mm-hmm. the viewership mm-hmm. on the back of mine and Karina being over there. And if um, the Grey's producers and PR machine mm-hmm. would then attribute that to the fact that it was like this two-part special rather than, we just put the two fit birds from Station 19 over <laughs> and so everyone went and watched it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. That's not me saying calling them Fitbirds, by the way. That was your guy that said sexy <laughs> blonde lady. Yeah. I was just running around the hospital. Yeah. 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 I would never say something as sexist <laughs> as two Fitbirds. Ever. But yeah, I just, I, I loved it. But I think for a Grey's audience, they kind of would have been, eh? Yeah, no, I could see that for sure. Just like when I try to watch Grace, I'm sure it's how I feel. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, who are these people? What are they doing here? Yeah, but hey, look, we've got at least one guy that wants to start watching Station Nineteen, even if it is for, just to just sexually to, objectify yeah, Daniel Savory. God bless this. her. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I had to chuckle though when I when I read the comment. I thought it was hilarious. So. Oh, I loved the, I loved the, thank you for coming. Yes. And starting to be there. Yes. Thing. That was the only other thing that I sort of made a note of. But Maya just needs to keep doing that. She needs to keep showing up until Karina doesn't have to say thank you for coming. Yes. And it's just a given that when Karina needs her, Maya will come. Yes. Maya will show up. I love that. That could be the name of the episode too, the podcast. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Even though it's a line <laughs> from Grace. Mind you, that's kind of perfect as well, isn't it? Because that was um, the best bit <laughs> yeah. of the whole of Thursday night, really. Yeah, it was. So I think that's so. I think that's that. Should we should we sum this sucker up? Yes, for sure. Unless you think I missed anything, unless there's anything else that you written down that you wanted to discuss. No, I think it. I think we actually went longer than I thought we would for 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 not really caring for the episode. <laughs> right. So. It's, it's all it's all grace. But. Yeah. Um, themes, usually I can come up with something. I saw nothing that tied any of this doodle together. No, I agree. There was no, there was no, no continuation of something that you could piece together at all. No. So thematically, I've got nothing and neither of you. <laughs> Great. Next. <laughs> um, best growth. Who do you think had the most growth? Oh, hmm. I'm going to say Travis. Okay. I think he's really, the last couple episodes has really been flourishing and just finding what he wants and starting to be able to voice that. Um, and so I'll say Travis. Okay. What about you? I said Vic, but that it's all unsung because she showed fantastic leadership. Oh, because of the, yeah. Yeah, she showed fantastic yeah. leadership qualities, you know, and she forged ahead with yeah, for sure. um, the investigation. She's the one that pushed and got it got it done so she's um really showing mm -hmm. that she can mm -hmm. you know make a plan execute it and, and get shit done even when she's got a yeah. stroppy teenager next to her for sure so i said vic what was your favorite scene gosh i i don't have one from station i don't because because my favorite scene was when danielle was like you're okay that was my favorite so i i can't pick one from station no do you have one from station well, because I was pushed, I said Vic and the bat. Okay. Vic with the bat. I mean, that was quite funny when she came barreling in with the bat. Yeah. Vic with the bat. <laughs> Maya did pretty well with her meltdown. She did. But my notes says, honestly, comma, Maya and Karina and Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their one twenty-three second scene from Grey's Anatomy. Carried that. Caned. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely caned everything that came before it. So it did. Yeah. So you and I um think the same way. Best line or best bit of dialogue? Probably Travis talking about um caring, you know, being the caring person that she is on social media, the little encouraging speech that he gave to Celatrix. Fair. Yeah. Did you have one? I also chose a Travis Travis line. Uh, but I chose take the bat. Oh yeah, take the bat. <laughs> it just stood out to me. It was just funny. It was just like, look, I watch TV to be entertained, yeah. and when it does all the other stuff, and there's all the you know the political yeah. stuff, and there's the great writing that gets my little English nerd brain going, and I get excited about language and all the stuff. That's fantastic. But at the end of the day, I do want to be entertained. And that entertained me. Do you know what line actually for comedic purposes I really appreciated was um, with Eli and Andy when she was, she called him a, a nerd and he was like, I prefer history buff. We don't have to think about being shoved in the lockers. 
<laughs> I appreciated yeah. that one. Although we don't really have lockers that people can get shoved into over here. But what used yeah. to happen in our school is people used to take the nerds backpacks like you know you wear like a backpack on one shoulder yes people would take the other shoulder strap of the backpack and hang it over the banister so that as the poor kid oh. walked down the stairs they got yeah. stuck on the yeah so okay that was yeah that would possibly be a more likely memory for him but yeah but yeah, but yeah no they yeah. had some great dialogue actually yeah yeah they did appreciated that for sure most gifable moment for you um Vic running in holding the bat. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. I went with Travis checking his teeth. Oh, yeah. Yep. For sure. But again, we went for the same scene. So it was obviously the mm -hmm. most memorable bit. Mm -hmm. um, what are your takeaways? What are you looking forward to for episode 13? Uh, maybe finally get an Andy and Eli date. That would be nice. I mean, I, everything's always Marina, obviously Marina, but if I was trying to think yeah. of something different and I would like to see some more interaction between Andy and Eli. Anything else or just that? No, just that. What about you? Um, I'm excited to see if Jack actually gets any dialogue next week. <laughs> um, yeah. If they remember who Jack is or if they just quietly write him out. Um, yeah. I'm worried for Vic. So um, I'm hoping for something positive to happen for Vic. Sure. Everything's still really quiet on the Dixon front. That's yes. And I feel like with uh, SFD now opening their own arson investigation, I'm hoping that things might move on there because I'm still convinced that Dixon is somehow embroiled in all of this. Yeah. Um, you wait, yeah. we'll get to the end of the season. I'll be completely wrong. But <sighs> I think that that's the case. I'm interested to see when Beckett will be back and if he's going to actually come back a changed man. Yeah. And I'm actually really fascinated to see what Ben Bailey and Kariba are up to. Yeah, me too. At the at the crisis pregnancy center. Yeah. Yep, I'm looking forward to tomorrow for sure. And oh god, yes, yeah, tomorrow. Crikey, that crept up yeah. nice quick, didn't it? Yeah, um, it did. And I'm still convinced that tomorrow we're going to see something big and beautiful for Marina. I'm going to hang my hat on it. And I'm yeah. going to be absolutely devastated <laughs> if it doesn't happen because I've been saying to you for weeks, mate, yeah. episode 13. Episode yes, 13. episode 13. So I, I will... Because I'm convinced. I will send you either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. What do you think their reconciliation will look like if we see it? I'm Honestly, I'm just hoping for a, a long talk in the apartment and then just... It doesn't even have to be like intimate, but like just, a, you know, like cuddle kind of like on the floor in the hotel and just yeah. talk is what I'm hoping for. Do you have in your mind how you want to see it? I mean, I know how I would write it. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But yeah, I'd have like Maya in the apartment. It's like dusk. She's trying to do a mindful <laughs> meditation app. Oh, she's yeah. Got a lukewarm chamomile tea on the coffee table that she wishes was a beer. Suddenly my voice has dropped as if I'm narrating a Mills and Boone uh, <laughs> audiobook. Commotion outside, things being dropped, swearing in Italian. She realises that it must be Italian because she doesn't understand any of the words, despite the fact that she's been living with this woman for an undetermined amount of years. She opens the door to see Karina there. She's dropped all her suitcases. Turns out that that wasn't in the script. It's just Stefania struggling with baggage again but they've kept it in for context. And then yeah. Maya's like, Karina? Because they always repeat the person's name, even though they know exactly who the person is and they can see them right in front of them. It's just the law, right, on TV? You have to go, Karina? Yeah. As if she's shocked that her wife is there. And then Karina launches into some big tirade about how they're not starting where they left off, they're having to start again, and she's, you know, it's not all forgiven and it's not going to be that easy. But... That being said, she misses her wife and she's back. Maya drags the bags in in a very butch, masterful way. And then that's it. They have a smooch. And we're, we're somewhere in between the captain's office kind of naughtiness against walls and things and the energy of the sorpresa take two in the green robe. Okay. I mean, I'm sure I'm completely wrong. I don't know. You've been right. You've been right on quite a few things, so 
I've been wrong about plenty too. <laughs> well, I wouldn't mind if you were right on this one. So I'm excited. I'm pumped. I can't wait for tomorrow. Hopefully it's not a letdown because I'll be sad. But I won't be able to watch until Saturday. So will you please send me some spoilers? I will. I'll send you. I'll send you good spoilers. You're a legend. Thank you. All right. Was that a wrap? Yep, I'd say so. All right. It was good talking to you. You too. Speak soon. Okay. Bye.